obsessed much? I'm Michelle Halterman. I've got my obsessions, and I know you've got yours. I'm going to talk to my friends about theirs. This is Obsessed Much? So today, my guest is the one and only Alan Pablo Kistler. Now, Alan and I met around 2009, way back in the day, while we were living in New York, working at the Secret Theater, where we were paid a whole total sum of zero dollars <laughs> for uh, Cyrano. Is that right, Alan? And I wasn't even supposed to be in Cyrano, but someone dropped out. And, and I so, mean, kismet. Yeah. And so, here we are now. And Yeah, and we had a great time. So the Secret Theater, this was in Long Island City, Queens in 2009. Uh, we were called the Queens Players. And do you remember uh, what roles you had in Cyrano? So I was, I was about three minor roles that at various times um, is, is getting into it with Cyrano or is just overwhelmed by how uh, smart and, and off-putting he can be. And then I was a couple minor roles of just no dialogue, but because of the way it was set up, when our, our fellow actors, uh, Delano, he and I would mess with each other on stage and try to break each other. And it was... Oh man, he almost got me so many times. I almost got him. Like it was, it was freaking great. It was a ridiculous production, but also really a fun production. And I think we all did a pretty good job. My backstory on this was that I saw an audition notice somewhere for this play. I was like, Long Island City, like, how do I even get, you know? Luckily, I had a friend at the time who had a car, drove me to this audition. I auditioned with who knows what preparation or cold read or I don't even remember, you know, <laughs> got into this play and then realized, oh, wait, in order to do this, I have to quit my day job because of the hours of rehearsal. I was working at a coffee shop that I actually did not like. And I might have, you know, lied to them and said that I got a full time job and like a real company, like a big girl job. But in reality, I didn't want to tell them I'm quitting this coffee shop job to go work on a play for zero money, for absolutely no money. Um, but not only did it lead me to meeting you and other great people, but um, I believe after that, I ended up meeting uh, my friend Kyle, who would eventually have become my roommate and the whole reason that I moved to L.A. and why I'm still here, even though Kyle is back in New York. <laughs> now, Alan... Uh, is very well known for knowing so much about comics and comic books. And today's podcast is about one of my personal obsessions, Chris Evans. We are going to be talking about one of Chris's most iconic, probably his most iconic role, Captain America. I am Steve Rogers. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I can do this all day. So also just a little uh, background on Alan. Um, you can find several of his... Uh, published books on Amazon, including uh, Doctor Who, A History, the unofficial Batman Trivia Challenge, and the unofficial Superman Trivia Challenge. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. I would love to write a Superman trivia book. Well, That's fine. There you go. I just put it in your brain. So please go and check out Alan Pablo Kistler's works. So... Let's just start off with what's your memory of first finding out, learning about, seeing 
Captain America. I mean, I started off with comics. I sort of stumbled into them. I was an early sci-fi fan as a kid. And I had a babysitter, Linda. Basically became my big sister. And I still talk to her. Linda was a sci-fi fan. Linda was a fantasy fan. And Linda uh, encouraged me to learn more and know more about that stuff. So Linda saw that there was a uh, comic book convention happening. And this was truly back when comic book conventions were truly small. This is like early 90s. And figured there might be some sci-fi stuff there I hadn't read. That wasn't in the library. So we went there. I won a door prize, this raffle ticket. It was a dozen free comics. And uh, so I knew some superheroes from the cartoons. And I know that I saw an episode of Spider-Man's cartoon where they mentioned Captain America. It would be years before I finally saw that episode again. So I, I can't say I recall that and that like turned me on to Captain America. It was just your first. Recollection. Yeah, it's my first recollection. But through these comics, I learned about the Avengers. And I saw Captain America there. And it was really cool to me that the Avengers were this collection of incredibly powerful superheroes. And Cap was there having no real powers. He's an enhanced person, but he's not flying. He's not shooting lasers out of his eyes. He can't throw a car like a lawn dart. But he was the leader. And he was a really nice, chill guy. And and there was also another comic book in there where Cap is trying to rescue uh, his best friend's roommate from uh, a terrorist who's, who's essentially a neo-Nazi. And those were exciting stories. Later, that comic became very significant to me because I didn't realize it at the time. But that was um, a hugely... Uh, uh, political commentary uh that story because if you were of a certain age you would realize that cap's best friend was actually gay and that the roommate was his his boyfriend his lover who was in danger and that what is, year was this? this was this particular comic was i want to say 80, 81 okay. or 82 but this is not bucky it was not bucky okay. no it, it the the way Bucky is in the comics, I mean in in the movies, they sort of uh, combined comic book Bucky with a little bit of this character Arnie, who in in the comics Bucky and Cap don't meet until Cap's joining the military, but he did grow up with a friend Arnie who looked out for him, who helped protect him from bullies. So in the movie, they sort of combined Arnie's backstory a little bit into Bucky's backstory, and he became that guy. This is awesome. Already learning so much. Yeah, and like years later, I was like, oh, okay, like we were saying in the. 80s, around the same time, we stopped calling um, AIDS gay cancer and stopped calling it GRID, gay-related immune deficiency or immune disease. We had the comics telling you, Cap's best friend is gay, he can figure that out, and he's totally fine with it because we're people. Yeah. <laughs> Once I realized the significance of that, that was effing huge. But th- those were my first real exposures to Captain America as a character. I'm a fan of so many characters, depending on my mood, basically. Right. But he's one of those that is a stalwart of mine, just because there's a great morality to it and a great... I think there's a great symbolism in his character. I think there's a great symbolism in his origin. Speaking of one of your favorites, so where would you say that Captain America falls in your list of favorite comic book superheroes? For superheroes, uh, he's he's... Probably definitely top 10. There's there's something very mythic about his origin story. And I really love that um, he's trying to represent an ideal as opposed to any current policy or administration. He, he He's a person who has reflection about America and who actually wants America to be better than it has been in the past. And that you can have someone named Captain America have that attitude. I love that. I love that self-awareness. All right. Let's hop over for just a bit mm-hmm. to... The actor that plays him. (laughs) Or, you know, the one that I'm so obsessed with, Christopher Robert Evans. (laughs) Um, So 
Do you have a memory of the first movie that you saw Chris Evans in? Yeah. Uh, Not Another Teen Movie. Yes. Not Another Teen Movie. One of my favorites of his, for sure. Not Another Teen Movie. I love a good slapstick movie. Um, As problematic as it can be, I still enjoy Naked Gun and Airplane. I have to watch Naked Gun. It's been so long. What you should really do is watch Police Squad, which is the series that that came first. All right. And that's why the first Naked Gun is called From the Files of Police Squad. So, So I love that slapsticky, absurdist humor. It's the same kind of absurdist humor I grew up loving from Monty Python and Conan O'Brien. So not another teen movie. It's so many actors in there have no fear or apology about how ridiculous they look. And Chris Evans, I just thought, man, this guy is going 150% because it's a ridiculous character. He's saying ridiculous lines, but he is acting as though he is in a deep drama that like he could be in A Few Good Men right now, for all you know, the way he's delivering these lines. And so, yeah, anytime I heard Chris Evans was in something after that, I was like, yeah, I want to see what he does. So first thought when you heard he was cast as Captain. When they were talking about making Captain America movie, uh, I wanted... um, was his name uh, Egan? Oh, that was in a um... yeah Christopher Christopher Egan who who was in Kings, which which you which you appeared in as well, and and <laughs> I, I Michelle Halter in the Star of Kings. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get. We'll definitely get into uh, our our Kings uh, episode at another point in time, and I'll tell you the story behind that. But I mean, as as you know, I loved Kings, and I thought Christopher Egan had such a great quality that even though he's he's not American himself, I thought like I I could really love seeing this guy playing Captain America. But when they announced Chris Evans, I thought you know what, sure, because again, at that point, we'd seen him in Fantastic Four a couple times. Uh, we'd seen him in Losers. While the Fantastic Four movies never quite hit it, like they, I don't think they understood those characters. Mm-hmm. He was great in it. He was really fun. Love him in Scott Pilgrim. Again, 150% just. Scott Pilgrim, like, I don't know how he just, like, keeps his, like, eyebrows and his face that way. Brilliant. Because did you see, like, when they did, like, um, a virtual table read and he still did that? And yeah. I was just like, wow. What are you like? How do you do that? <laughs> it's it's so good and 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 in Losers, I loved him in Losers. Yeah. His character is meant to be a distraction at one point, so he sings "Don't Stop Believing" to oh, himself. Yeah. There are a lot of actors who would have only gone halfway there, but he truly is inhabiting, and it's it's doubly funny because it's it's him playing a character who himself is playing a character because they're trying to distract, and it just works. So yeah, is that musical theater background of his. I think it is. And just I, like us, the yeah. true thespians that we are from Long Island City. <laughs> yeah. We, we know what it takes to make it. Yeah. Yeah. When you're when you're on the mean streets of Queens Boulevard, like you, you pick up <laughs> a lot of lessons. Having to take the G train that never comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To like, make a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. Just, By the way, I was yeah. going to say that, like, you remember the roles you had. And literally the only role I remember having was probably that unnamed soldier who played the flute. Yeah. And they were like, oh, can you play the flute? And I was like, "Um, I did in middle school. Now, again, you have to lie sometimes to like get anywhere. Sure. It's like, do you think I remembered how to play like any song? (laughs) I I knew like three to four notes. And I was like, yeah, I have my flute from like middle school. So I was like, sure. I literally just like every time we went up to perform, I just like played some notes. It wasn't a song. It wasn't like anything professional. I was just like, here's me playing some notes. Maybe half of them will come out. Half of them will not. 
And other than that, like, I don't know if I had another part. Do you remember if I had another you part? You were, I, I recall in this, in Cyrano, you were also, there's a bakery scene. Okay. I do remember you dressed as like a, like a page boy baker. Awesome. Uh, with this, we all had the silly hats, like you, me, our, our, my dear friend Jennifer Ewing. Um, Shout out Jennifer. Yeah. And, and others, like we, we were all scattered around. And, and then I remember you were in the crowd scene during a scene uh, where Cyrano and I are getting into it and he's circling me while slapping me repeatedly. Like, like, I probably didn't have any lines other than my flute. Like, the flute had the lines. Probably. I, I feel like... And this, again, is what makes this story so great, is that I quit a job to do a play in Long Island City and not get paid for it and also not have any lines. Yeah. But this brings us to today. And yes. I just, like, that is life, man. That, that Sometimes you just life. have to take a chance, you know? Also, it was such a great a great time. Like, I honestly, I look back in some of the days with, like, with you at the Secret Theater and all, like, I think some of those were my best times because I, I... To get a little real here for a second, like, I, I lost my way a few years later for a variety of things and I wasn't um, processing things in my own health and in my own... Um, mind and I was projecting stuff and not projecting stuff and not communicating and all this jazz and and depending on who you asked like I was either just fine and just being me but I was a little like uh, more guarded than I used to be or I was just a flat out jerk and and eventually I had to had to really like face all that and undo all that and, and unpack all that and one of the things that I look back on is there were a lot of years since the secret theater where I was financially more successful and a lot of cool things happened, but my mind really wasn't there and I wasn't really enjoying it. Whereas the secret theater, like we weren't making money, but that was one of my best times in life. I really think that. And, and it was like working with you and working with everyone else there was fantastic. Like now that I think about it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like maybe in New York, you have to say that you're always in a production of something. But out in L.A., <laughs> you have to say that you're always taking class somewhere. Oh, that's a good like, point. It's almost like the L.A. version of. I'm in class with it. I'm studying with this, yeah. you know, teacher. And in in New York, it's like, well, what like what play are you in right now? Yeah. Because my my time in New York, I was only there for two and a half years, but I did do, you know, a handful of theater and handful of plays that I like to say off, 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 off yes. Broadway. Yeah. Entertainment is it's almost more of an apprenticeship, and we're we're meant to just dive into things and actually do them. Yeah. Um, like it's, do it's, first, question later. Exactly, and 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 for better or worse. Um, back back on the Chris Evans thing, like, because I I never I've never cared about when I'm looking with envy or admiration towards some celebrity or something, and they're like, oh man, you got that role and you got paid so much, or da da da. Like, oh man, you got that and you got to have like the house that I want or like the New York apartment that I want or whatever. But I. I do envy and admire. You must have had a blast doing this. Oh, and yeah. Chris Evans is someone who I thought I want to be that kind of actor because even when Fantastic Four wasn't a great movie, it looked like Chris Evans was having a blast. And it's like that's that's the best man. Like as long as you you were able to pay the bills and you had a great time, like what what else do you need? So so I love so yeah. Once once I heard he was playing Captain America, and again because I know he goes so hard into all his characters, I thought you know I. I didn't know how the movie was going to be. I didn't know what parts of Captain America they were going to lean into, but I thought Chris Evans will do a good job. And he absolutely has. Now he's he's sort of embodied Captain America. Captain America movies. Out of the ones that Chris Evans is in, do you have a favorite? 
Uh, I'd probably have to say Winter Soldier, which is which is his second movie. It's it's true that in many cases I would lean towards the one that has a musical number. And so Captain America: First Avenger, you've got the whole Star Spangled Man with a plan number. I do love that. I'm a, I'm a musical theater buff, um, but it's not as strong an arc to me. It's not as strong stakes to me. And the ending of Captain America: First Avenger, where he's where he's making the self sacrifice and he's going to be frozen for decades and da da da. I I really don't think they translated it that well. It, I every time I see new people watching that scene, they really get taken out of the moment because they're thinking of, well, why doesn't he do one of these three things? And even though the movie does sort of try to explain it one way or the other, it doesn't do a strong enough job. Yeah, the the sacrifice does, I don't think hits with impact. And honestly, there are some aspects of wartime Captain America I think they skipped over, and I get why, but I think you lost something. Versus Captain America: Winter Soldier, I just thought the entire thing I thought was dynamite, both for how the characters were portrayed. That's the best Black Widow movie we've ever had with Scarlett Johansson, just period. The Black Widow movie where she's finally stars in is fine. She's the least entertaining character in there. Not her fault. She's a good actor. She put her all. The story didn't serve that Black Widow right. It serves her sister better. They should have turned the dial up and really given her a a more rocking story to my thing. It's fine. It's competent. I don't hate it by any means. It's not a bad movie. It's just not as good to me as watching her in Winter Soldier where there was nuance and there was like a great, great fun interplay between them. I love that. And is this the one where she kisses Captain America? Yes, it's where they kiss. But what I love about that kiss is that it's it doesn't turn into a romantic interest. He actually just wants her as a friend. And that was so refreshing to me. I think for a moment there, it definitely flashed through his mind of like, what would it be like? I mean, he's not dumb and, yeah. and she's and she's flirting with him a little They're both bit. Very attractive people. But also like he's he's savvy to the thing of like you flirt with people at times for an objective and I don't want to play that game. So so when yeah. she says, you know, who do you want me to be in that flirtatious way, he's yeah. like, How about a friend? And he means it. And and I love And he that. can never you know, cheat on his one true love. I mean, that that I think that's dangerous territory to go into. I, I do yeah. think there's a danger. Like how how the Avengers movies went later where he's never over Peggy is like, on one hand, I get it. On the other hand, I actually find like, I don't want to fetishize um, uh, stay, sticking in the past. I actually have more problems with that. Whereas with Winter Soldier, I thought it was nice where like he, we see him visit Peggy and he clearly misses her, but also is understanding like, you know, that was a chapter of our life. And also he's, I think he's not over romanticizing it as much in that movie because because the fact is, like, he and Peggy, Peggy fell for each other, but they never got a chance to explore their relationship. And I think that's also a problem that we sometimes have with... I have many mixed feelings yeah. about Endgame. I'm not... But yeah, Winter Soldier, I think... I think the other thing that Winter Soldier works on is it's a spy thriller that has superheroes in it. Mm-hmm. It's not too involved in the superhero tropes of it. it. It works as a good movie, period. So whatever genre you like, if you like a spy thriller, you can enjoy this. If you like a superhero movie, you can enjoy this. I think that all works. I love that there's um, discussion of morality. We're addressing the fact that Captain America's morality can seem old-fashioned. and But he's also addressing not we never compromise. He he brings up, we compromised a lot during World War II. We did terrible things. We weren't pre- preemptively looking for who could be a threat to us later, which he has a lot of problems with. I love that that was a moral discussion in a Captain America movie. I love that he's questioning um, the U.S. and U.N. sort of fluid government that exists in the Marvel movies, uh, depending on who the hell's giving shield orders. I love that uh, there was also no apologies about this being in a superhero universe because there are movies out there still to this day, even though we all now are so used to superhero movies, they go out of their their way to explain how the powers work or why there would be a costume or like spend an hour 
before they put the character in the costume just so that you don't think it's weird or natural adverse. Like, guys, we all know what these are now. Right. Relax. And what I love about Winter Soldier is we introduced Falcon so effortlessly. First of all, amazing casting. Secondly, they got the character great in his personality. He and Steve develop a relationship so quickly with one conversation. Here's Falcon. We like him. Here's Falcon dealing with veterans. Okay, we know a little bit more about him. He and Steve are now building the relationship. We go away. We do the movie. We come back. Hey, Falcon, we need help. Da 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 da. And he's like, okay, I can help you. I have access to these technological wings. Oh, interesting. Next scene, he's got the wings on. And we just accept it because this is a world where Iron Man exists. This technology exists. Fine. He used this at some point for the military. Let's go. You know, Chris Evans was around many, many years. I, for whatever reason, stupidly just didn't you know, I think I had seen not another team movie, maybe not even seen the whole thing, um, but stupidly just didn't, you know, knew, knew of Captain America, knew of Marvel, had no interest until one magical day, Super Bowl, a couple years ago, I was watching Super Bowl with my friends and here he pops up, Chris Evans, on a Hyundai commercial with John Krasinski and Rachel Dratch about Boston, you know, sure. the Boston accent. Yeah. And I just stopped and I was like, whoa, I love this guy. <laughs> let me do all my research. Let me look this up. What, what can I watch that he is? And uh, now, mind you, that would have been the beginning of the year, probably 2020, 2019, 2020. And by that following Christmas where COVID couldn't see my family was stuck in L.A. by myself, spent my entire Christmas break watching every Chris Evans movie that I could get my hands on. In fact, every movie that he was in, actually. Yeah. Even if I had to buy it on Amazon or what have you. Yeah. So, yeah, I was I was fully invested. Um, and, of course, not another teen movie among one of my top favorites. Uh, also, uh, What's Your Number? Have you seen that? I have. Anna Ferris. I have. Great I, rom-com. I, also I, shot in Boston. Yeah. Um, I went to college in Boston, so I love the accent. Love the Red Sox. You'll get to know that about me. Before we go, movie that he directed. I did see that. I thought that was charming. Took place in New York. Yeah. Awesome romantic movie. Yeah, him and Alice Eve. I also think he might look the best he's ever looked in that. He did look good <sighs> in that. He'll always look good, but yeah, those peak, peak Chris Evans. There's there's a real charm to that movie because it did feel to me like those New York nights that you'll sometimes have where you wind up on an adventure or where you wind up talking to a stranger throughout the night, which which I find does not happen in L.A. as often. And certainly when I tell friends of mine in London about those nights, like they're, why would you talk to a stranger? Why would you have a full conversation with a bartender you didn't know? But, but I feel like that New York is a place where the streets, the, the buildings, whatever, there's something in there that encourages you to make connections with the people around you. And, and also things are open 24-7. Yeah, you can find something. How easy is that? Yeah, yeah it, it, it now gives me a nostalgic uh, t- taste back in my New York days when I when I rewatched that movie. It's lovely. I thought it was very lovely and a very strong uh, directorial debut from him. Um, and also, have you seen the Red Sea Diving Resort on Netflix? I've not. No, you got to check that out. Okay. So based on a true story, okay, he has longer hair in this as well. I believe it's going to take place in the seventies. Looking great with his long hair, which brings me to how good does he look? And this is my favorite Captain America look in Avengers of Infinity War, where he pops up on screen, longer hair, beard, bearded cap, what? Yeah. Black outfit, new new outfit, uh, new shield, badass. You want to talk a little bit about how Captain arrived at this point? I mean, it's it's a great look. It's I remember there was a... 
a reaction of Uncle Steve now in 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 uh, some circles. Like he's dad's been through a lot. Is that look <laughs> and, and is having a moment to himself? Rugged, but also hot. Oh, absolutely hot. He, he looks gorgeous. Um, he one thing with the comics in Captain America, uh, very rarely. Is he portrayed, as I mentioned earlier, as someone who's rah-rah America and only about the flag, upholding American um, safety and and protecting its image? He's actually one who will uh, get pissed about the U.S. government doing things he thinks are immoral, or if they're trying to hide what they're doing. If we have to make sacrifices and compromises, okay, but let's not lie about it. Let's let's be open about because we we need to hold ourselves accountable. I think that's great. So yeah, the movies. I think they did it too soon. I wish we'd had an extra solo Captain America and or an extra Avengers film before we got into the Civil War idea. But they, they jumped the gun a little bit, but they got into Civil War. And Civil War was an entertaining movie. It was it was far more entertaining than it had a right to be. It, it should have been a disaster trying to make it both a Captain America movie and an Avengers movie and introduce Black Panther. It should have fallen apart. And it, the fact that it didn't speaks volumes of, of the Russo brothers. Uh, but yeah, they, that story, which I think is actually a better version of Civil War than the comics, brought into idea the Sokovia Accords and the Avengers and, and related superheroes now had to get government directives about where they were going to interfere and where they weren't going to interfere and, and how they were going to do it. And Cap was not going to do that. And finally, at the end of Civil War, like he's on the run, he's a fugitive, and he's busting out a few Avengers who agree with him. So when we meet him in, in Infinity War, he's been doing this for a couple of years been like covert cap and I dig it and it's one of those things where to me it's if you don't know the comics that works fine because you understand the context that has been given to you to enjoy this and you can enjoy hey apparently covert cap has a new look if you do know the comics these are visual cues to different parts of Captain America's history that is really neat to actually see on screen. Um, because in, in the history of Captain America, he has a couple times actually given up that identity. In the 70s, there was a story where he's fighting a group called the Secret Empire, these terrorists who want to take over. And, and the story ends with Cap confronting their leader. And the story very, very, very strongly implies that the leader is actually the sitting president of the US, who then commits suicide in front of Captain America. This story was done very much in reaction to the Watergate scandal. Okay. For, for a bit, Captain America was so upset and traumatized by this and disillusioned about, well, am I representing an American ideal or am I just representing an increasingly broken government? And so he gave up the Captain America identity for a bit and became nomad, man without a country. That was actually definitely going to be brought up in a little bit when I uh, talk about some fun trivia facts. Yeah, so he became nomad for a little bit. Then different circumstances lead him to become Captain America again. So he did that. Did he Uh, ever just get to be just Steve? Actually, a little bit, yeah. A little bit later on, yeah. Um, but yeah, then in the 80s, during the Reagan administration, there was a new story. The The White House basically said, like, okay, it's nice that you're a superhero and that you've been doing this, but technically we made you. We gave you the serum. We actually made the suit. So technically we own that. We own the identity of Captain America. So you need to start doing uh, exactly what we say. We, you need to start being a direct agent or we'll fi- find a new Captain America. And he called their bluff and basically said, like, fine, and turned over the shield and, and suit again. And then as sort of like an F you, I'm just not going to do it your way, but I'm still going to do what I do, created a new black version of the outfit that had just a red and white stripes, but it didn't have the blue, didn't have the A on the on the mask, and got a new shield from Tony and was just the captain. Nice. And did that for a while. In the meantime, 
They had a new Captain America who was very conservative. You know, my government can do no wrong until he has his own traumas, blah, blah, blah. And then Steve came back to being Captain America. And then very briefly, he just, during the Clinton administration, they actually had a story where like, because he defied an order by Bill Clinton's administration, they exiled him. And so uh, he, again, wore just like a black outfit and uh, was the expatriate. But it's it's this theme of someone who's who actually isn't, doesn't have unquestioning love for his country. He absolutely questions. He absolutely uh, has problems with how certain governments make decisions. He has certain problems with what the military thinks. And I love that. That 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 is a good American to me. When you're you you love your country, but you're questioning it, and you you don't want your love of country to become an excuse for terrible things. The story of Captain America is one of honor, bravery, and sacrifice. Denied enlistment due to poor health, Stephen Rogers was chosen for a program unique in the annals of American warfare. One that would transform him into the world's first super soldier. Now, could they have ever, just like they gave him this strength, this power, could they ever have taken it away from him? Did they ever threaten that? Or is that not like a possible thing? It's not an easy thing. There have been stories where certain villains have done certain methods where he's he's had his abilities removed. But generally, like the the normal human scientists that he encounters and the American government scientists he encounters generally don't have a way to do that because it's truly become part of his biology. You can't like, it's, it's sort of like soup. You can't like separate the ingredients out once you've mixed them up. But also it's such a big thing in the comics that he's a fluke. He's the first successful test and then they couldn't replicate that exactly because as we saw in the first movie, which they they did beautifully, the secrets are then lost. The scientist who did this is killed. Notes are destroyed. There's actually a great uh, comic book miniseries that later got slightly, parts of it adapted into the new Falcon Winter Soldier series, Um, Truth, uh, Red, White, and Black. It's about the fact that after Steve's success, the government sort of wasn't satisfied with, well, we wanted a whole army and now he's the only one. Like some parts of the the US government said, well, no, we still want a whole army. We still want a whole army of super soldiers. Let's just try it out. And they tried it out on black enlisted soldiers because they were deemed more expendable. And you see that different deformities happen and different terrible things happen. One of them, it is successful, but then later... Uh, he's imprisoned for basically doing stuff Steve would have done in the same circumstance. And and then later still, he develops some uh, mental disability issues yeah. because his and it, it was meant to be allegory to the Tuskegee experiments. There are other characters in the comics who get a version of the super soldier serum. Um, it usually doesn't make them quite like Steve. So he's sort of unique as the success. Again, it's this ongoing theme of not just uh, he's we're lucky that Steve got the serum. Because he's the right man for the job. Because mm-hmm. he is someone who the serum actually didn't change his personality, didn't make him arrogant. He was a person who stood up for bully against bullies even when he was 90 pounds. He's going to keep on doing that as Captain America. He remembers what it was like to be weak. I was saying before, like the, the origin itself is a mythic quality. There's two Jewish Americans who made him, uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, during a time when a lot of America was saying like, well, we shouldn't be involved in World War II. And is Hitler really that bad? He seems like he's brought the economy up pretty nicely. And da, 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 da. And, and we had very openly an American Nazi party uh, at the time. And Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, despite it being 1940, so it was going to be a while before we were involved in the war. And and they made this character who originally they thought about maybe calling Super American. But yeah, the, the origin there we see in the very first comic, it's a German defected scientist 
who has a Jewish last name, looks a lot like Albert Einstein, is is here to give this formula to Steve, who we're told is a 4F, which is not a category that exists anymore, but basically meant you were unfit for duty because you've had too many illnesses, you have asthma, you, you're, you're, it's deemed that you have a delicate nervous system. So you're you weakling. What's so interesting to me about that is, and also when he's given the formula, they're told, this might kill you. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the thing, like as it's changing him, it's his will that pushes him through the process so he still has to earn it. It's not that he was given a magical formula and then he's he's fine. He still has to earn it in those last moments. He could have died. And I love that because it's such a, an American ideal myth where if Steve were in Germany of that time, of 1940, he would have been deemed genetic trash, even though he's blonde and blue-eyed. He's, he's too weak. He's not the Aryan ideal. But... He's in America where an immigrant scientist of Jewish descent says, yes, you are weak, but I know that's not all of you. I will help you if you have the will become as great as you can be. And that's such an American idea of we can go through these hardships and be the best we can be. And it's it's rather beautiful and is is just given this allegory of a science fiction story involving chemicals and lightning and we get Captain America. And then I, I love that. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's a lovely 1940s myth. Well, this is great because you've already told us so many cool facts about Captain America. I'm sure, you know, I mean, I didn't know. I'm sure many listeners didn't know. Uh, Let's get into some other trivia, some other facts or maybe misinformation that's out there. And you can debunk what's what's not true. Help us with that. Um, Starting off with uh, Captain Can't Get Drunk. True or false? Uh, part of why he has a stamina that he does is that the super soldier serum in his system is counteracting uh, any kind of poisons and toxins, which include the natural toxins we create when we're having fatigue. The same resistance to poisons he has is going to keep him from getting drunk off of like five or six beers. On the other hand, like he's not immune to poisons. In in the Captain America first Avenger movie, he's drinking after mourning a friend and is saying, I guess I can't get drunk and it's a tragedy. But I feel like if he really tried, he could because again, he's not totally immune to it. We've seen him get dazed. We've seen him get drugged. There's actually a story in the 90s where he basically gets drugged up with a, a super drug that's sort of like speed and goes on this like violent rampage against uh, criminals. All and, right. Yeah, involved Daredevil and the Kingpin and the whole thing. Streets of Poison, I think it was called. Yeah. Very 90s story. <laughs> yeah. What if Captain just took a lot of speed? Yeah. It's yeah. it's a that was a post-watchman world of like, how do we gritty up our comics? Captain fought against communism. Yeah, there was uh so the Captain America comics, the original run started in uh December 1940. Uh the cover is dated March 1941. Uh after World War II, with the war one, Nazis weren't as big a villain anymore, so Captain America sort of became more a super detective almost more akin to Batman and uh, yeah we just kept and it just it didn't hit the same mark also post-World War II America was changing attitudes were changing and superheroes just weren't hitting it anymore so that comic book got cancelled in the 50s there was an attempt to revive certain heroes uh, at the Marvel level Uh, Marvel at the time when they were first publishing the 40s was called Timely Comics by the 50s they were called Atlas and so Atlas had this idea of like hey our big superheroes back in the day were Captain America the original Human Torch who was an android and the aquatic uh, hero the submariner so let's bring them all back isn't this two chris evans characters in in the 70s uh when comic books were about shared universes and crossovers on a deeper level, uh, Marvel decided, well, what if we said that those World War II heroes actually met quite frequently and worked together? So retroactively, they decided that during World War II, Cap, the original Human Torch, and the Submariner 
were a team together called the Invaders. And there was a whole Invader series where you saw them fighting in the European theater, meeting Winston Churchill, meeting other World War II heroes, blah, 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 helping another team called the Liberty Legion. Yeah, when when Chris Evans, like the, the Human Torch he plays in Marvel Comics is a later character who takes the same name as the World War II per- person because he has similar abilities. Okay. But he's a different character. But in the, the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie, um, when they're at the World's Fair and they're looking at all this like technology that could be here in the future. At one point when the camera's panning over the World's Fair, there is a display case of a mannequin wearing a red suit that looks suspiciously like the original Human Torch's uniform. And it says above it, Professor Horton's, I think, Artificial Man is what they call it. The original Human Torch was an android created by Professor Phineas T. Horton. Uh, so there was a little cameo of Cap's teammates from the comics. The Invaders. Um, the Invaders. Is yeah, Marvel just I, like kicking themselves because they can't really make the Invaders because then they'd have to shoot Chris Evans into... <laughs> just kidding. I, I, just kidding. But you, you, know, you, you know what I mean. I was really hoping... Because the first Captain America covers so much ground and and has a whole montage that t- takes place over maybe like a year, I was really hoping that meant we were going to get a Captain America sequel later that would give you more, or a Captain America series later that would fill in the gaps and introduce like, hey, in between that part of the montage and that part of the montage, he met an android named the Human Torch and they became the invaders and da da da. But we never got that. But to, to answer your question earlier, so Chris Evans would ask for double the uh, money. Give because- it to him. Is is worth it? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Um, But yeah, in the 50s, Marvel tried to revive those three main characters. Atlas tried to revive them, and it failed. Um, And and Human Torch and Submariner, they sort of treated as the same characters, but Captain America, they treated in a weird way. The 50s version of the story showed us a college professor named Steve Rogers. What was he teaching? Do you know? I can't remember what he was teaching. If he was teaching like history or government or something, but... This was skinny Steve, or...? I mean, that's the thing. He he looked fairly well-muscled and everything, and and we... Because I would definitely like to have him as a professor. (laughs) And and you had a, a Bucky there who was a college student and an athlete. And then we saw a new version of the Red Skull who was a Soviet agent and was a communist. And so that's now what the red symbolized, that he was of the the Russian uh, USSR. And this college professor, Steve Rogers, got into costume with with his student, Bucky, his Captain American Bucky. They were now commie smashers as opposed to Sentinels of Liberty. And they had a few stories and it just was really weird. It it didn't have the same charm. It wasn't as inventive as the original stories. For whatever reason, it didn't hit the public the same way. So that vanished after a while. And then the 60s was when Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. They started creating what we now know as the Marvel Universe with Fantastic Four and Iron Man and, and, and others. With the new Human Torch of the Fantastic Four, they teased in one story where he found seemingly Captain America. And he thought, oh my God, is Captain America back? No one's seen him since World War II. And it turned out to be a criminal disguised as Captain America, a criminal called the Acrobat. But it was Stanley's way of teasing, would the readers want cap to come back and so then the avengers forms and when they're early stories they find a guy frozen alive and thaw him out it would turn out hey this is captain america and they revealed this new story about hey you don't know this but right before world war ii ended cap and bucky did a thing bucky seemingly died and then cap was frozen and then eventually someone brought up like well what about the communist cap comics are those out of continuity do we just ignore those and eventually it was it was revealed this was someone fittingly enough a 
obsessed with Steve Rogers. Mm. His name was, um, I want to say William Burnside. He was obsessed with Steve Rogers, and so he changed his name to Steve. Oh. He was able to find notes on a version of the Super Soldier Serum and gave it to himself and this young guy, Jack, who called himself Bucky. Those 50s comics are actually about these two guys okay. who were carrying on the legacy, except then we learned that their version of the Super Soldier Serum started messing with their minds. So it started increasing prejudices they had. So they started seeing it like black Americans is not quite American Yikes. and liberals is not quite American and stuff like that. Uh, so he sort of becomes this anti-cap villain that Captain America has to fight sometimes. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 in the history that for a while he is commie smasher. And even Steve did have a few stories in the 60s where he goes into Southeast Asia. But generally, Steve Rogers as a character is not someone who really cares about whether you're capitalism or communism. It's it's about more the actions. Are you victimizing people? Like how you deal with money is, is not as big to him. It's, it's how are people suffering or not suffering. Gotcha. Um, how about this one? He was the first man on the moon. Marvel loves to create this alternate realities at times. And there's an alternate reality, House of M. And in that version of reality, that version of Steve became the first man on the moon. So that's not something that applies to Marvel Comics mainstream continuity. But sure, in a, in a parallel world... It happened. Uh, Steve was born on 4th of July. Yes. The year we, we've changed a few times because there's been debate about how old do we want Captain America to be. Generally now, the idea since September 11th has been that Steve is about 18 or 19 when he becomes Captain America, which was partly done to emphasize how young soldiers were, mm-hmm. partly also done because it it's, uh, lowers the age gap between him and Bucky Barnes so that they can have more of a brotherly relationship as opposed to the Batman and Robin. So how old was Bucky supposed to be? So in the original 1940s comics, Bucky is an army mascot that Steve meets who's sort of living in the base and he's meant to be about like 13. Oh, wow. Readership level was changing because readers were now usually in college as opposed to junior high or high school and because the stories were becoming more realistic, whatever that means in a superhero universe. That was deemed to be too young for for Steve to like bring him into combat if he had no pow- powers or anything so it was shifted over that he's about 16 uh may, like or or 15 about to turn 16 they also started changing bucky's story where he was just one of those guys who's a natural sniper and natural at certain combat things. And also they address the fact of like in World War II, we did have 15 and 16 year olds signing up for the military where they they lied about their age. And because the military was so desperate to have soldiers, people who, who looked at these kids and thought like, you actually look more like 15, just figured F it. Historically speaking, I think there's, we, we awarded a medal to a sailor who turned out, I think to be 12 or 13. Wow. Yeah, like his, it was found out because his mother saw his picture in the newspaper It was like, hey, that's my kid who ran away. What the hell? So you knowing uh, all about comic books, did you know that Captain America was going to lift Thor's hammer. At some point, I thought, you've you've got to do it. It has been in the comics. So there you was... knew it was coming eventually, probably. I was hoping it was coming eventually. There was uh, a hint about it in the movie Age of Ultron, where they're all sort of jokingly trying to lift the hammer, and they don't seem to. But when Steve touches it, it seems to move a little bit. Oh, yeah. The, the enchantment is not only those who are worthy can lift it, but if you're a little bit worthy, maybe you can shift it to the side. The enchantment is only those who are worthy can lift it. So if you're lifting it even a 
little. Maybe Steve's just doesn't want to embarrass Thor or doesn't need to prove anything or didn't realize he could lift it. And then once he realized it, let go. Ooh, I like that. During the time he was the captain, at one point he ran into Thor. They hadn't seen each other for a while. And Thor's like, what's going on? Like, you you have changed your arraignments, Captain. What is going on? And Cap explains the situation. And Thor is livid. And like, you know, who is this Congress that they would dare say if you are worthy of your arraignments and stuff? And he like wants to warn Washington. And Cap's like, Thor, you gotta calm down. Like, we're not we're not attacking the White House. And then a battle ensued. At one point, Thor separated from his hammer and Steve sees the hammer and thought, well, I can't lift it, but maybe I can drag it towards Thor or something. I gotta get him his hammer back. And instead, he lifts it and it's this big, full-page picture, what, what in comics is called a splash page. Them lifting the hammer and knocking across, like, a dozen enemies and and at the end of it like gives the hammer back to Thor and Thor's explaining like you know we've always been comrades in arms but this makes us brothers and and after that was had had a much more uh, familial connection to Cap and there had been others who had lifted the hammer before him but they were usually like aliens or other godlike beings so Cap was the first time we really saw a person do it That's my so, man. so yeah I was waiting for that to happen um, alright now this is a great one he was once Cap Wolf. Yeah, I think that was the 90s again. Uh, a lot a lot of listeners might know J. Jonah Jameson, the character who's beautifully played by J.K. Simmons in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, the newspaper publisher who has a thing against vigilantes. In the comics, J. Jonah Jameson has a son, John Jameson, who's actually one of the first people Spider-Man saves in, in, the, in his original comics. Uh, John Jameson is an astronaut. In a later story, he finds this gem on the moon that turns him fittingly into a a werewolf-like creature, the man-wolf. A lot of stuff happens to him after that. Da, da, da. Eventually, John Jameson becomes an assistant and staff member of the Avengers, and so he's he's their pilot at times. He's helping Cap with some missions, all this stuff. So there was one story where he got captured by some villains who were using the object that had turned him into a werewolf creature to sort of create a werewolf plague that they could give to this small community of people, and they were going to create werewolf soldiers. Captain America goes to investigate. Wolverine goes to investigate. So they have a team up, and at one point, Captain America is subjected to the same process. Because of the super soldier serum, he is both stronger and still has his mind somewhat. But yeah, you get this ridiculous, absolutely fun, absurdist comic where Captain America becomes a werewolf who's now wearing the Captain America costume. <laughs> yeah. And you have this like inner monologue as his mind is trying to be there must run escape find friend yeah it's 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 one of those where you just go because comics because right. comics yeah. and and of course later he's cured captain shield was a different shape yeah so the original the original shield when captain america is first introduced is what we call a heater shield uh which is a sort of triangle but before captain america was introduced mlj comics had introduced their own patriotic character who was called the shield with a chess symbol that almost looked identical to captain america's original shield then in terms of its shape and design and everything it was it was basically a message was sent across to the the guys running the Captain America comics of this is kind of weird guys like we might want to sue over this so they quickly decided like okay our bad sorry so by Captain America issue two that shield's gone he's got a new discus shield which originally was just that it's just a shield it's it doesn't have any special properties it's just a freaking shield in Captain America issue three the month after that Stan Lee wrote a filler story which is a pro story it's like a two page four page story something like that in it he proposed that Captain America could throw this shield like a discus and it was a fun idea 
Stan used it in a couple more prose stories, but in the main comics that was not adopted. Um, it wasn't until in the 60s when Stan Lee was now running Marvel Comics, basically, because he was the writer of like five different comic books each month and slowly becoming the main editor. But so, yeah, when he and Jack Kirby brought Captain America back in the 60s, he went back to that idea of Captain America can throw his shield. Not only that, but this shield is made out of some kind of weird metal. It can bounce off walls without losing its momentum. So that's in the 60s is when the shield starts becoming special. And eventually it's like, well, what the hell is it? By the time we questioned that, we'd introduce the Black Panther, who is also Stan Lee and Jack Kirby creation. In Black Panther's country, there's a thing called vibranium, which absorbs kinetic energy, which absorbs sound and vibration. And in the movies, the shield is just vibranium. In the comics, we were told that it's a unique alloy of iron and vibranium that's never been able to be recreated. Attempts to recreate it led instead to the creation of adamantium, which is the metal that's put in Wolverine later. So it's all this cosmic, like, connected web of of nerdiness. How about this one? Cap did drag once. Yeah, in in an early 1940s story. It's the 40s, so inevitably you have, like, things where the characters go undercover. He dressed as um, a grandmother, I believe... And Bucky dressed as like her young grandson. Yeah, it was played for laughs. It was a good. It was a good time. Chris Evans uh, did drag in a TV show called Opposite Sex. It uh, had one season. It was in 2000, and uh, I suggest y'all YouTube it. Um, you can see him do a musical number. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> it was very entertaining. I will absolutely watch the hell out of, out of that. Yeah, Opposite Sex, uh, Chris Evans and Drag, so good. Uh, actually, Milo Ventimiglia is also in that. Very cool. Uh, all right. Well, is there anything else you want to say about like what you'd like to see in the future, what what you wish you would have seen by now? Any any last thoughts on Captain America? You know, there, there are certain villains I wish we'd seen. Um, I wish we'd seen more of the Red Skull in the modern day. To me, one of the, one of the great things about the Red Skull is the writers really have fun with how easy it is for him to still operate in the modern day because he knows how to take advantage of capitalism, of how corporations are run. He knows how to take advantage of uh, government officials. He's blackmailing or working with not wanting to take accountability for their actions. He also doesn't have a hard time recruiting what we used to call neo-Nazis, and now we tend to call alt-right. But yeah, these these white nationalists, which is both a way to keep him the same kind of villain in the modern world, but also a very stinging commentary about America and and asking, well, how much have we actually learned from World War II if he can keep recruiting followers? And I wish we'd had a modern-day movie where Cap, who has fought Nazis in World War II, has to see them again in the 2010s. I would have loved to have seen Chris Evans really tackle anything resembling the alt-right, anything resembling the Ku Klux Klan. So yeah, I wish we'd done something like that. Again, I, I wish we'd had at least one more Chris Evans movie where we could really explore Cap um, or that we could uh, we could like explore some of his other love interests. Um, now Marvel has passed on the Captain America mantle uh, to Sam Wilson, the Falcon, uh, which is fitting because Sam Wilson is also the name of the man who uh, was apparently the inspiration for the uh, cartoon Uncle Sam. But also, like I I do hope we really get to see the difference of approach that a black Captain America has and and what that means for certain people and and also that maybe he can think of certain things to tackle or comment on or address that Steve didn't because Steve's a great guy uh, but he's still a white guy from the depression era so there are just going to be things he doesn't think about. Let me ask you what is with these rumors or you know maybe just one rumor maybe not to come back again uh, that we'll see Chris Evans in another uh, Marvel movie. 
And he flat out says, no, that's not true. I mean, the thing is, like, there's so many freaking rumors that happen on, like, no basis whatsoever. I don't mind rumors. I don't really give a lot of weight or care to rumors a lot of times. Um, But you do have a mechanism by which he could. You could easily have uh, Doctor Strange or or Spider-Man, whoever, visit a timeline where Steve led a different life. You know, you could today do a miniseries of other adventures Captain America had during the 40s that we just didn't see back then. If they ever do a Submariner movie, uh, I would love to see a flashback that the Submariner was around during the 40s and met Captain America, who was like the one surface guy that he thought was okay. You hear that, Chris? We want you back. So you could you could do all this, but I would respect Chris not being interested because he did leave on whatever my feelings about Endgame. He left on a good note. He left on a high note with fans. Still hot as an old man, by the way. <laughs> Alan? Kissler, are you ready for the lightning round? Okay, sure. This is going to be random questions All right. about your likes, dislikes, preferences, and just, you know, yourself. Okay. Get, let's get to know Alan. Sure. Dogs or cats? Ooh. Um, okay, okay. Uh, dogs, dogs. I love cats, though. They're, they're great, but dogs just stronger. Frogs or turtles? Ooh, turtles. Hot or cold? Uh, cold. New York or L.A.? That's, oh, that's so dangerous. You know, I, I still like New York better. I do. Favorite Chris in the Marvel series, Evans, Pine, Pratt, or Hemsworth? In the Marvel series? Um, Evans. Thank you. I mean, there really yeah, was Evans. only one right answer, yeah. and I would have had to. Yeah. You just said in superheroes in general, I was going to say Christopher Reeve. Oh, yeah. Sorry. He wasn't in the list. No, so but he's not the Marvel. Within these four. Yes. yes. Good an- right answer. Go to Starbucks order. Uh, iced soy chai dirty latte. Ooh, dirty. Yeah. Okay. All right. Favorite X Files episode? Mm, you know, there was there was a great uh, Firestarter uh, episode with with the, the pyrokinetic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that very recently. I loved that one. Yeah. yeah that stuck with me for years. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of X Files I watched, which I no longer remember. But that, the visuals of that, the atmosphere of Firewalker that. Firewalker is the Firewalker. Thank you. Thank you. I was and thinking of Stephen King for Firestarter. A lot Firestarter. of people have mentioned that to me as one of the one of their memories of the scariest episodes. It's terrifying. Yeah. All right. Lightning round. <laughs> Favorite color. Purple. Favorite guilty pleasure. Um, could be TV show, could be musical artist, could be anything. Uh, bachelorette. Yes. Right answer. <laughs> Favorite holiday. You know, I've, I have I know it's not popular with a lot of people, but I actually have had a lot of great experiences on New Year's Eve's. Hell yeah. Also, we're recording on Valentine's Day, which... That's, that's not a holiday. I've never, never yeah, celebrated. Okay. No, I'm fine with spending my Valentine's Day with you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Favorite season? Uh, fall. What's annoying you these days? Oh my! Um, any kind of any kind of gatekeeping uh, attitude? And I'll, I'll see it in some writing. I'm seeing it in some Star Wars stuff that's coming out now, where it's like it's they're they're very reliant on you'll be excited by this because this character showed up in a comic book. I'm like, but that's not good enough. I shouldn't have to do homework. And even if I, because I'm such a freaking nerd, I do know where this character came from. Each show, I think, should be an introduction to the larger world on its own. And and I feel the same way about certain adaptations with um, comic books or sci-fi where a director will put something there just because it's a name you'll recognize. But that's not actually, you have to still make a story. Don't just show me, you know, you you read Wikipedia, so you know Jimmy Olsen exists. Have Jimmy Olsen affect the story or don't bother me with it. Current favorite podcast besides this one? Oh, um, how did this get made? Current celebrity crush. Um, I would probably say um, Cecily Strong. 
from from SNL. All right. I just think she's she's so brilliant. Yeah. She's so funny. Like, and she yeah, she's dynamite. I love her. You have a favorite character she does? I kind of love when she does Janine Pirro. Okay, um, yeah. And, and I like when she does the girl at the party. The girl at the party is great. Best best thing ever. The girl at the party is great. Um, but yeah, when she's when she's just the insanity and and drunken horniness of Janine Pirro, like there's yeah. just there's something delightfully chaotic there. Yeah. Name three celebrities with your birthday, and your birthday is uh, January twenty fifth. Um, I already looked this up, so you better know it. I don't. I don't actually know. Let me tell you. Yeah. You got a lot of big ones. Do I? A lot of A-listers. Who do I have? How do you not know this? I honestly don't look up when when other people share my birthday. I, I've not thought to do this. I know that Jonathan Larson, I think, died on my birthday. Now, there's one site that's like famousbirthdays.com that'll literally give you like people you've never heard of, like probably TikTok people. But then when I Google just celebrity birthdays January 25th, I get like a whole bunch of famous celebrities. So I hope that these are right. Alicia Keys. Oh! Betty White. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, Demi Moore. Gorgeous. Literally, she just had this commercial with um, Mila Kunis. Mm. And I was like, Demi, like, what is your secret? Seriously. David Hasselhoff. Okay, cool. Mark Hamill. No, Mark Hamill and I have the same birthday? Maybe not. <laughs> really? Maybe Google is just failing me because the fact that you have so many A-listers, I'm, I literally have to now look this up. I'm looking this up right now. <laughs> what if literally every celebrity I just said was No, Mark Hamill's <laughs> September 25th. Okay, I was sure I would know about this beforehand. Mark Hamill's <laughs> September 25th. But guess what? Literally probably every day. Actually, Betty White sounds like it would be, though. Because I think she was about to celebrate her 100th birthday. Yeah, she was. Nope, January 17th. All right. So let's just like go back to me being wrong about everything I just said. (laughs) Alicia Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. I was only right about one of them. Jennifer Lewis, Lee Taylor Young. You know what? You still get points for this question because this was my bad. No <laughs> problem. But from now on, you have to remember that Alicia Keys has your birthday. Looks like Virginia Woolf. That's oh, cool. There you go. That's very cool to me. There you go. Okay, that's very cool. And my final lightning round question. Sure. Take as much time as you want. Can okay. you give me a terrible audition story? The audition itself wasn't terrible, but the note I got was stupid. Where it was, it was a comedy piece. I remember it. the The audition was somewhere in the East Village. I read. First of all, they gave me the wrong side. They specifically told me to read this side, and then it turned out that he'd misunderstood what what the the director wanted so i'd memorized the wrong side so already that sucks so now i'm like i'm doing the other side and i think i'm doing okay but i'm clearly reading i, I it's like short film student film it was actually it was going to be a, a show it was going to be a play uh as part of a, a festival uh but then also like the director seemed to be making up his his mind one way or the other and the other person there i forget who it was just said like yeah i was wondering um could you do that like funnier and I was like, well, what does that... He didn't say funny. Maybe he thought you were funny, but funnier. But funnier. I'm just like, what does that mean? Like, give me something like, you know, just funnier. It's like, oh, all right. And then, so I did that. And then they asked, and I think looking back that they were trying to figure out how either, how easily I take direction or I how much I would be thrown off balance by, by certain elements that they might change or something. And so they then asked, could I do it as if the Queen of England were doing this? And so, so to put on like an effeminate uh-huh. and British, and I screwed that up 
completely because also in my mind, like I, I watch too much British television. So in my mind, I'm not just thinking of a British accent. I was thinking, okay, well, she has that very pronounced speech, but also that very like no one, no other British person speaks like the Queen. You know, like for Claire Foy has talked about like how you just you, you can't just learn how to be posh. Like she's got a very oh, like just just. Yes. Like how she rounds certain vowels is is a way that no one else rounds vowels like that. So I was like overthinking, and it just it just didn't go right. And, and you didn't have the crown back then to draw. From. I didn't have the crown to draw on. No, because this was this was about a decade ago. Yeah. And it really and if you're testing to see how much I can be thrown off my game, that that threw me off my game. I was just, I did not get the part. May I share a, a sure. personal terrible audition? I'd love to. This yeah. was uh, also in New York. This was for a student film. I had to, I guess, you know, what these guys, about two or three guys in the room, college guys, said was that this movie was, or at least this scene was going to take place um, with a dodgeball game. So they wanted me to do my lines as they were throwing balls at me. And the first time you do that, you're like, yeah, totally, I get it. Yeah, because, and then the second time you're asked to do that, you're like, okay, yeah, sure, okay, I'll do it this time, but with... And by the third time they asked me to do it again, I knew that they just got a kick out of throwing balls at women. <laughs> God. There, it had to be a joke. Like, it just, I was like, there's no way that you need me to do this again, do these lines while you're throwing balls at me. And I, that was one of the few auditions where when they asked me to do it again, I just said, no, I'm good. Thank you. Bye. I mean, good for you. Cause <laughs> yeah. that's insane. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being my very first guest on the podcast. Uh, I've had a great time. I know, obviously, you'll be back to do more episodes uh, because you just know so much about so many things, and we are both obsessed with so many things. We are. <laughs> so, thanks again for helping me uh, record and produce and edit, and you've been so helpful. Um, everyone, go check out Alan. Pablo Kistler's books on Amazon. And thank you so much for tuning in to Obsess Much. 